Well, we are in the middle of a message series called How to Bounce Back from Anything. And we started by looking at the resurrection and we're going to continue on looking at the power that we get from the resurrection. And this idea of how do I bounce back from things really stems from the fact that we all fall. We all, at points, fall down. We handed out bouncy balls a few weeks ago just as a reminder of a verse that we looked at. But we all kind of hit these down turns in life where we need something to propel us. We need something to move us forward again. And my senior year of high school marked a time that that was a major failing for me personally. Um, In high school, I played sports. I played tennis for four years, and I wrestled for four years. And in my four years of wrestling, as a freshman, I wrestled at 112 pounds. I was a lightweight. Still, 119 and then 125 was my final senior year weight. That's like 125. I felt like a heavyweight at the time from how much I'd grown, you know, a whole 12 pounds or whatever. But um, in wrestling pounds, you know, pounds is a lot, obviously. And so, um, and most people like to keep their keep their weight low just to stay, you know, more competitive and kind of have a leg up. And so... I, I wrestled all my senior year at 125 pounds, and I did, I did really well at that weight. And my plan and my coach's plan was that in the final you know, weeks of my, of my season, in preparation for league finals and CIF and other tournaments, that I would drop to 112 pounds, which was what I wrestled at as a freshman. And I thought it was doable. I actually dropped to test, and I, I could get there. And so I started dropping weight near the end of the season to get down to 112 pounds. Um, but I also could feel this is not going to be easy to, to pull this off and to stay healthy and strong. And so um, the weekend of league finals, which is kind of the gateway tournament that you need to place high in to move on to CIF, um, I came down to Southern California to Cal Baptist College and as part of a preview of the school. And I wasn't really sure I was going to go there, but I came with a church youth group and came to the event, managed to not eat too much food at Cal Baptist. And, um, and at the time, there wasn't all that good food to eat anyways. But now there's amazing food at that school. But uh, when I was there, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of a spread to, to choose from. But So I made it through the event. And on the way home, our church bus stopped at the Olive Garden. And uh, the next morning, I had to wrestle and I had to weigh in. And... I tried to take it easy, but the pasta and the bread was a little too much to handle. And uh, so I ate probably a little too much. And <clears throat> next morning I got to our school and I weighed in on the scales and I was 116 and a half pounds and I needed to be 112 pounds. And I, I my coach is mad. He's you better drop that weight. We got three hours. And so we got we got to drive up to and he was serious. And if you're if you understand wrestling. That's you just do what you have to do at times. There was a uh, another coach that he wasn't there. And I'll tell you what he said in a minute. But I uh, so I started spitting. I had a cup and I was spitting the whole way up to Lompoc, which is where our league tournament was. I'm just trying to lose any any water weight I could and, you know, doing anything I think to, to lose weight and trash bags and tons of, of layers of clothes. And I get to the school and I'm just running the bleachers and dropping weight and sweat pouring off and. I checked my weight right when we needed to weigh in, and I'm still still over quite a bit and do some more running and check again. And then I'm the last person. They need to weigh me in, and they're like, you got to get on the scales. And uh, so I get on the scale, and I'm, I'm 112 and 2 ounces, and that's an eighth of a pound too heavy. And, I, of course, I'm trying everything I could do. It's moving. You could see it. 
I'm like breathing and trying to get the, I mean, you know, and I was, that was it. I, I couldn't wrestle. I wouldn't see another match as far as individual. Um, I got to wrestle in a team thing for CIF, but I was so, I was so disappointed. I was so mad. One of my coaches who wasn't there, he said, I would have punched you and you'd have bled out two ounces if I were there. And, uh. I was thinking, yeah, I didn't think about that. But, but I look back now, and, and I was so focused. I was working so hard. And I was thinking about the other tournaments. I honestly wasn't thinking much about that day. And I didn't even get to wrestle that day, which disqualified me for the other things. But many times in life, this is how we go about it. We, we work so hard at things, and then we, later we realize we, we poured a lot of time and energy and work into the wrong things. You might be doing that right now. You might be here and you're, you're investing all this work and you keep falling up just a little short in life. The life that you're living is not satisfying you. All the longings that you have, you're just, nothing is really being fulfilled. And so, like, like what I was describing, you might be feeling that right now. And with our own strength and effort, we can actually build a life, but the life we build never seems to have enough power to push us forward. To, to bring things together. And so we've been looking at this whole idea of how, how do we really bounce back in life? And there's a verse that we've been looking at. It's not up on the, on the screens, but I'm going to tell it to you. It's a verse written about Jesus. And it's a prophecy written 800 years before Jesus ever arrived on the scene. And it said that Jesus came to give them beauty for ashes. This is a promise about God's Messiah, the one that would come and bring God's people or would redeem and rescue God's people. It said to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This verse, it, it captures this idea of the downturns and the possibilities. We have downturns, we have ashes, seasons of mourning and heaviness, and then God in his power through Christ can propel our lives in a way that he can put things back together. He can take ashes and turn that into something that's beautiful. He can... As the scripture says, he can establish us like a tree. He can take this seed strength and just multiply that into this tree-like faith. And so we've been looking at this idea that only God can really establish us. He's the only one that has the power to help us bounce back. And Jesus, in the passage we're going to look at, he introduces us to a secret hidden ingredient that, that, has, that the power is all wrapped up in this thing that he's going to talk about. And... I want to tell you a little about that. Before I do, we've been, we passed out a bunch of bouncy balls, and I've tried and tried to make these illustrations work, but I'm going to try some more. But this is the Whammo Super Bowl. Does anybody know what this is? A couple of people. Anybody? Anybody have a Whammo Super Bowl? Or did have one when you were younger? And this was, these were produced in the 1960s, and at peak production, they were producing 170,000 of these a day. And this ball was said to con- contain Zectron in it. And on the box it said 50,000 pounds of compressed energy. Cody told me that his dad mentioned to him because he had a Super Bowl. Cody, our worship leader, his dad was here for the first service. And he said that the Zectron is from the solar system Zectron, which is one of the moons of Krypton. Now it's all coming together, right? So, and so all the power from the moon of Krypton is in this ball. 
that's why this ball bounces higher than any other bouncy ball that we know. And there's this hidden secret power inside this last service. We called it the mother of all balls because it had it just has this hidden ingredient of Zectron. And Jesus, this is how I'm going to tie it in. <laughs> he introduced us to something hidden, secret, that, that has power, that we need. We all need something to propel our lives forward. Otherwise, we find we just do not have enough strength or willpower to move on in life. So let's take a look at how Jesus talks about this, this hidden ingredient that we find available to us in our life. It's found in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Jesus is having a conversation. It says this, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Okay? He came to Jesus at night. Jesus, or Nicodemus came at night either to be in secret or because Jesus was busy, Nicodemus was busy, and so this would have been a good time to have with Jesus. Uninterrupted conversation, just a time to dialogue. And it says this, and he said, Rabbi, we, because he's kind of a spokesman for this group of Pharisees, we know you are a teacher who's come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus had just been performing, um, he had performed a miracle, and then he does all these different miracles, and people were like, wow, Jesus has got this power, and, and people were ready to follow him because of the miraculous signs he was doing. And Jesus knew that people were somewhat wishy-washy and swayed by signs and miracles, and so he says he, doesn't, he didn't entrust himself to those people, but he just kept on doing the work that he was doing. And then you get John chapter 3. Nicodemus is tying this to the fact that Jesus had done certain things. He'd, he'd done all this work that caught his attention. And he was, Nicodemus was a leader, one of the leaders in a strict religious group known as the Pharisees, who were known for separating, the word Pharisee actually means separated ones. They separated themselves from the other religious folks because of the laws that they lived by. So they lived by Moses' laws. But then they also had another set of oral traditions that they lived by, which really nearly impossible to do life that way. No room for real grace, just all law. So they focused on that, and this man comes to Jesus, and he, he was impressed by the way that Jesus had power to do miracles. And he said, this power certainly came from God. We know you're from God because of the miracles you're doing. And in Nicodemus's mind, because of the tradition religiously that he'd come from, good works equaled a relationship or access to God. If I do good things by my power, that must mean I can enter heaven. I can have a relationship with God. That's how Nicodemus's thought process worked. And many times we think the same thing. And so we try to balance out all of the good in life. We try to do good things. We try to go to church. We try to serve on this or that volunteer group. We try to give to this or that organization. We stack up a bunch of good works trying to earn God's favor. And that's the system that this man, Nicodemus, had came from. And in his mind, he was just calling, he was, he was almost identifying with Jesus in a way. I think he was saying, you're like one of us. Because for Nicodemus, it was all good. And Jesus was doing good works that were saving people. And so, you know, he was kind of stamping Jesus' life and ministry and saying, you know, these good works must mean you come from God. Now look what Jesus said. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Jesus was not interested in talking about miracles and works. 
He cuts right to the heart of Nicodemus's unasked question, which was, how does one get to God? And he, he says this, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Jesus is not tying entrance to heaven or, an, or a relationship with God to our works, to what we do. He's tying it to being born again. To which Nicodemus replies, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. He's thinking, Jesus is talking about a spiritual reality, a spiritual rebirth. And Nicodemus asked, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? He's thinking physical. How, do we be born? How can we be born again? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of, of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. For the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it's coming or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. I just love how Jesus always knows the real question that's being asked. Nicodemus, he's kind of beating around the bush. You know, we know you're from God. We know your power because we've seen all the miracles. And Jesus, you know, you know, tell me more. But the real question is, what's the secret behind your power, Jesus? And what are you, what are you going to do with it? Where do you get this power from to do these amazing things? And Jesus' answer, I'm introducing a way to add a new life to your old life. A way to be born of God's Spirit. This is, the, this is what connects the dots for us in life. We need a new life. This idea is called reborn. To be born again. To mean reborn. We, we've looked at these different words that start with the prefix re. We looked at the word resurrection. How that's the power. It's where the power comes from. And secondly, we looked at the word repent, which means to go back and to, <clears throat> and to, to say the truth. To admit the truth about ourselves. This week we're looking at this idea. To be reborn. To go back and have another birth experience. How do you do that? What does that really look like? And why? Why do we need to be reborn? The reason why we need this rebirth is because the life we got in our first birth was not able to bounce back. Our willpower is not enough to propel our lives forward to make any real change. None of us in this room have the power or the efforts to be able to put life together and come up with anything that really satisfies us on our own. We lack that ability. So in our rebirth, if we've come to know Jesus Christ, we have this rebirth experience. We receive what's known as the person of the Holy Spirit. The life of the Holy Spirit comes in the inside. The Holy Spirit is that he's not an add-on feature like this divine battery pack. When, when you invite Jesus to come into your life, his Holy Spirit takes residence God's Holy Spirit takes residence inside of you. He's an entirely new person living in you. Not just anybody. He is God himself. And the Holy Spirit brings the power that we lack on our own. We wish we had the willpower to change. He brings that into our life. And in the Bible, God introduces himself as a trinity of persons. He's one being in, in three persons. Something known as the trinity. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Something that we as humans, really have a hard time comprehending because it, it just boggles our minds to think in this way. We're used to thinking one person equals one being. I'm one person in one being, right? And, you know, Bruce, one person, one being. We're, if I start saying I'm, you know, I'm multiple persons here, then what does that mean about me? I'm going a little crazy, you know? 
I've got multiple persons living inside of me. But God is different. And, and that's what we come to expect. He's not like us. And in the Bible, so God introduces himself as Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. The Father does the planning. The, the Son, he implements the plan. The Holy Spirit applies the plan. And we, we try to explain it in different ways. One example is, in trying to understand it, is in just how we're saved, how we come to know him. We all need rescuing in life. And so we're drowning in the middle of the lake of our own sin. We need God's help. We need to be rescued. And so the father creates a plan to rescue us. The son gets in a boat and goes across from shore. The Holy Spirit like reaches out, pulls us into the boat. Who, who did that? Who saved us? God did. You really see the work of the father, the work of the son and the work of the Holy Spirit in the way that we understand how we come to know him. And it's kind of confusing and oftentimes we listen or we think about this idea of God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, that they're all one God. And it's just too much for us to figure out. But the truth is, if you're looking for something that you can fully understand, then there are plenty of man-made ideas available to us. But this is the true God who has been revealed to us in the Scripture. He's expressed himself in these three persons. And in a very practical way, this Work is, is to work its way into our life. And I want to look just really briefly at a few ideas. Because when the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> through this rebirth, comes into you, there's some adjustments that need to be made. The first is he brings a new desire. There's this new desire that we begin to experience as the Holy Spirit begins to operate within us. And <clears throat> look at Galatians, or I'm sorry, John chapter 3 verse 8. Jesus said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So why do leaves move? Do they just kind of move on their own power? No. How do leaves move? The wind, right? It's the wind that moves them. He's saying, so it is with the Spirit. Why do people, as people, why do we do what we do? Do we just, does our body just do stuff on its own? No, not really. We have desires inside of us that are moving us to do life a certain way. And so when we want to change our lives, it's not just a matter of stopping one thing or starting another thing. We need a new desire. And that's the Holy Spirit. He brings a new desire with him. We have now the will to change. The Holy Spirit, is he brings a new desire, a new win. Look at Galatians five sixteen through 17. It says, so I say, live by the Spirit. We have a choice here. Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. This is talking, this verse is talking to people who have decided to follow Christ. And this is a challenge. He's, he's challenging. Live by the Spirit, and you will not desire, gratify the desires of the sinful nature. See, that sinful nature is that old, those old desires, the old ways, the old nature that was running the show before. Now the Holy Spirit comes in, and we have a battle. We have the new life, but we still have the old nature that is waging war. Look at what it says. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. You see, when a new baby is born, it doesn't take long before you realize that this new baby and this new life comes with its own set of desires, right? 
Problem is, we still have our own desires. And what happens? The conflict begins. If you're a parent, you're thinking, man, I could do whatever I want with my life. But then a baby comes in the mix. And now that ability to do whatever you want goes out the window because you have a new life that has its own desires and you have your life that has its own desires and there's a war. And this is this is something true of ourselves in our spiritual life. If if you've invited Christ in the Holy Spirit, he takes up residence in you. But the old desires, they don't just give up their fight and go away. They continue to wrestle. There's this internal conflict. And what we do is it's a real struggle in life. And so, you know, the the thrilling thing is that conflict is evidence that he's come in. If you have this this wrestling that you experience, it's probably very different than before you committed your life to Christ. Because before you committed your life to Christ, when you would do things wrong, you might have felt bad about it. But now there is this constant just struggle because the Holy Spirit, he's on the inside and he, the conviction just will not go away because there's this wrestle. He's crying on the inside because he's living inside of you. He's trying to lead us in a certain direction. It's also true when we, when we set out to do things God's way. Where in the past we used to feel proud about certain things, now there's just this real sense of overwhelming joy when we set out to please God because the Holy Spirit now is he's, it's like he's having a party inside of us. We're living out the ways of God in our life. He's, he's clapping. He's cheering. He's, he's rooting for us. He supplies the power for us to do life. None of that power was available to us before. We now have the power of God within us. So if you've recently made a commitment to follow Christ and you find it's really difficult to, to move on, understand you've picked up a whole new life. God is remodeling. It's like he's coming. He's tearing down some walls. He's putting some new things in there. That That's a that's what we want. We want to experience just a whole new life as a result of that. Another thing is the Holy Spirit brings these new desires, but also just like a baby needs a schedule, if we're going to feed that new life within us, the Holy Spirit, that really requires a new schedule. The way we approach life, it, it, it really comes up. How are we going to make time to feed the Spirit within us? When a baby is born, the biggest change is probably the schedule. That, that changes everything. This new life, this new baby needs to be fed, not just once in a while, not even once a month, but a few times a day, right? Hey, what is it? In the beginning, how many times do babies eat? 20. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, we're not going to go there. But, but there's just this schedule that babies, you know, get introduced to because they need to be fed. And in, in the same way. When we're born again, there's this new schedule. We need to begin to feed this new life inside. First Peter 2 says this, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You see, Jesus didn't just die on the cross so we could live and get a little taste of who he is. He died, offered up his life so we could experience a brand new life and that he could change the way we do life. Our purposes would be renewed redirected, realigned, and that does not occur if we don't eat, if we don't feed the Holy Spirit. How do you eat? You, you actually, we eat through the Word of God. This is how we grow. Jesus made it clear that this is like our food. He was fasting one day in the desert, and he was tempted by the, by the devil, and he wasn't eating 
for 40 days. And the scripture says that the devil came to him and, and said, turn those stones into bread and eat. And Jesus, Jesus quoted the Old Testament and he said this. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. How do you, how do you eat God's word? You, you take it in. You chew just like we eat food. We chew, we swallow, we digest. The same thing happens with the way we, we feed the spirit within us. We, we, we hear the word or we read it for ourselves, and that's like chewing it and swallowing it. We're mulling on it. We're taking it in. We're trying to understand it and accept it. And then digestion in our normal bodies just happens Normally, we don't have to do anything with it. But in our spiritual life, we digestion happens as we as we've taken it and understand it. Now we live it out as we apply it and implement it. That that's that's how we begin to grow and receive nourishment. When it comes to eating, we're not like cattle. We don't just graze all day long. We actually need to understand there's a rhythm to this to growing. There's a schedule. Eating is like a constant in our lives and. Feeding on God's word is something that God wants us to do on a regular basis. So here's a few tips, because if you just decide to ingest God's word whenever you feel like it, it doesn't go well for you in life. You do not have the power to bounce back if you just have a haphazard approach as a Christian to to taking in the word of God. So here's some tips. First, plan ahead. Schedules require forethought. Pick times and places. Pick a spot. Pick a chair. Pick a location. But just pick a time where you can have some focused time on your growth and relating to the God who loves you. Spending time in the in the Bible is something you need to think ahead of time. Otherwise, you won't do it. If you do not plan, most likely we fail. So that's the first thing. Secondly, make it daily. Make it daily because that creates the pattern. Start with 15 minutes. Start with 10 minutes. Start with five. Wherever you need to start. Make it daily. Stick with it. Read Pray, write down a question or two. You'd be amazed at how God can use that to just give you victory in your life. And the third is be consistent. Just like, you know, attending church, that, that's, a, that's not an easy thing. It, once a week is a Sunday, and that's not easy to, to keep that schedule, but, but it is a pattern. And if you're a part of a group in our church, there's this pattern to that, the small group attendance. And it's, we have to stick with it. And in the same way, our spiritual life, Feeding, feeding the Holy Spirit requires this discipline of staying consistent. Getting time with God needs to be a consistent pattern. But if your decision to follow Christ never makes much of a change in your schedule, then the Holy Spirit will not make much of a change within you. And that's so true. If, it doesn't, if this doesn't make a change in the way you do your life and your schedule, God will. He's not going to be able to do his work. The old nature, the old desires will win over. We will feed the wrong things. And those old ways will lead us to do and to live life in a way that, again, we're going to be pretty disappointed. The great thing is God, he has made a way through his son, Jesus Christ, <clears throat> to find and to access the power, his power. As we invite him in, his Holy Spirit comes in and the possibilities now are endless. God God wants us to grow. He doesn't want us just to stay the same. And we as a church want to see people grow. We want to provide groups, different things. In the summer, our groups are taking a break. And in the summertime, we're going to be having a number of connecting events. The purpose of our connecting events for the summer is just to help you get to know other people so that when groups roll around, you'll probably feel more comfortable to get involved 
and to take steps of growth in a group. And so I'd like to invite Cody up. He's going to continue to lead our service. And there are some next steps that I'd encourage you to consider. They're on the back of this white card here. And our ushers will be coming around in just a few moments. And when they do, if you drop this connection card in there. But on the back, you see these next steps. The first one is memorize Matthew 4.4, that verse that Jesus quoted in the desert. Memorizing verses is kind of like carrying power bars. When you memorize verses in the Bible, like a, a statement from Scripture, it's kind of like having a spiritual power bar. You pull it out and it gives you the, the boost, the power that we need when we need it. This verse, Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is a reminder that we need this food on a daily basis. We need this, we need this new schedule. The second point of application might be to fast one day this week. Fasting means to go without food. Somebody last service came up. Does that mean fast food? No, not fast food. Fast from food. And so you might do this. The reason why is to create kind of a hunger within you, spiritual hunger, that, that when you fast from physical food, that that would trigger in your mind your need to feed yourself spiritually. And so if you choose a day, let's say it's Wednesday, I'm going to fast all day while the sun is up, sun up to sundown, let's say. Just go without food. Every time you're hungry, use that as a time to feed on the Word of God and to spend some time in prayer and see how God will meet some needs in your life. See how God will adjust some perspective that He'll train us up in some ways. So fasting is is a practice to create that hunger for God. The third thing is to make an adjustment to, to my schedule. You might realize I really have no way to find time to feed the Spirit that lives in me. And so... I may have to make a choice to to change some things. So I'd encourage you to just consider what is it God is saying to you this morning. And last, if if you need to be reborn, you just feel like, I'm very much like Nicodemus. I think God and this Jesus thing, it just sounds good. And I'm trying to do what I think is right. And I'm trying to be a good person. And I hope that's enough in the end. And what God would say is, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. This spiritual rebirth God wants us to have this to happen in all of us. It's not something we can borrow from our parents. It's not something we can borrow from our siblings. It's not something we can buy. It's something that has already been bought for us through Jesus' precious blood. He shed that for us so that we could come to know him. And so if you're here and you're like, man, I just feel like God is tugging on my heart saying it's time for me to start all over and to have this spiritual rebirth then I'm going to pray, and as I pray, just invite you to pray along with me. And on the back of that card, you can let us know about that. It says, send me info about beginning a relationship with Jesus. We'd love to send you some information and then talk with you further about that. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, and we thank you for who you are, God, and we thank you for the power that you displayed as you miraculously rose from the dead. What we celebrated a few weeks ago on Easter, Lord, was the single most important event in human history god in that event changed history it also has the power to change all of our lives lord help us god to recognize that we have a desperate need for you and that without you god our our own work our own lives our own good is just not good enough lord it will never be good enough but you through your through your grace you sent your son to die for us lord to take our place to pay the penalty for our own rebellion so that we could have hope. Lord, if there's anyone here that needs that hope this morning, I pray that that you would 
you'd help them just to state that back to you. God, I need you. I admit that I'm doing life on my own. been trying to just put things together with my own power. And I need, I need someone else to, to do that in my place. Lord, thank you for Jesus coming, dying for me. I invite him into my life right now to save me. And I intend to live my life with him as the boss. Lord, thank you for that hope we find in Jesus. Lord, we ask you for the power to live these things out, the courage to to work this stuff out in our lives, Lord, as we grow closer to you. Give us the power this week to make application, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.